0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Uh, Zooming ever closer to camp. Some teams, I believe the Raiders, as we record here today on the 21st, uh, are reporting. They're, uh, I guess, able to do so because they're in the uh, Hall of Fame game. Uh, I know a lot of rookies are reporting over the weekend for several teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs, favorite team of this show, at least this part of the show. KD Kyrie Watch is still on. Okay. Nothing happening there. I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and I do bring that up because we have mentioned it the last few shows. So I just want to keep that thing going. But uh, big news in the NFL today, again, Thursday the 21st, Kyler Murray gets his extension. Uh, the much-ballyhooed uh, email or treatise or manifesto that his agent set out this spring on uh kyler murray letterhead i mean it was such a beautiful statement and and kind of treatise whatever you want to call it but all kidding aside he was going to get paid i think the cardinals were always going to pay him i don't think that rushed them at all i don't think that changed anything i think they were always going to look at it this summer and they certainly did uh reportedly the numbers are a five-year extension for 230 million dollars which kind of equals what deshaun watson got uh but 160 million guaranteed not 230. now it is a little over 230 so i don't know if that was part of the deal was they needed to go above deshaun by like half a million dollars so average annual is 46.1 per year so alex i know uh we've talked about these quarterbacks so Kyler gets his money. Are you surprised? Low? High? What, what do you think?
1: I think it's a nice number. I wouldn't be opposed to to make that sum of uh, money. I mean, if it was offered to me. It makes him this...
0: <laughs> well, what if you're Kyler Murray? How would you feel about it?
1: I would always remember Kyler Murray as kind of a crybaby. Like, be a professional. Act like a professional. You're in the NFL, you're not in high school, you're not in college anymore. I mean, why do you have to why do you have to be like a little girl? Why do you have to like take down everything that was Arizona worthy on your social sites? I mean, what's that all about? Let your agent handle that stuff. Don't like overreact. You still got paid. I mean, I don't think you made yourself any friends in the Arizona franchise or with your teammates. This deal makes him the second highest paid quarterback at an average of over $46 million per year. It's huge money. It's only going to go up every year. In three seasons in the NFL, I mean, Murray has been offensive rookie of the year. He's been selected to the Pro Bowl each of the last two seasons. His numbers are good, Lou. I mean, during his career, 67% completion percentage. For over 11,000 yards, 70 touchdowns, 34 interceptions. He's also been quite a runner. 20 rushing touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards on the ground. So as far as like him being a good player, he is. He's a good quarterback, but I'm not sure he's a leader. I'm not sure he's going to lead Arizona into the promised land. I don't think he's going to lead them to the Super Bowl. I know that's what they're hoping with you know, that offensive juggernaut with Cliff Kingsbury. But Kyler Murray, and you and I have talked about this before, he doesn't strike me as a team first guy. And everything that he did during the offseason basically signals that he is a he's a me first guy. And that's not who a quarterback is supposed to be.
0: Right. I mean, people show you who they are. And it's up to others to just not really question it so much is just believe them when they show you who they are. So from that perspective, I wholeheartedly agree. He fades down the stretch. I don't know if it's because of his size. I don't know if it's something that the team does, if it's a training issue, whatever. But it seems like each year he's kind of faded down the stretch. He is small in stature so he does get beat up a little bit because he runs a little bit more so maybe now does he pull back a little bit from running is that going to you know impact his game You know, Drew Brees was really the first shorter guy that kind of showed the way and how he could kind of slide around the pocket and find lanes to pass in. But Drew, you know, was not a runner by any stretch. So, you know, he kinda he lasted a long time. I don't know if this is it, but I think this is just the market is the market and it just seems like these younger quarterbacks even if they're reasonably successful or you don't have a better alternative it's like the next guy gets the next big contract there's no like middle ground you can't say all right we like you whatever but we we you know we don't see you being more than a 35 million dollar a year guy it's like the next one up that being said here we go with Lamar Jackson. Now, what is he at? He's been a league MVP. I'm sure his numbers are gonna compare favorably and much better than Kyler Murray. Is he gonna ask for more? Hey, he's seeing this. He's his own agent. 250, baby, you know, 245 and you know, over five years, or you know, maybe the entire thing guaranteed or even more guaranteed money than Kyler. So, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see really. If there's going to be an organization or a team that just says, you know what, we're not going to keep playing into this madness. If you're that good, if we believe that, like you were talking about, be the leader and win games, not just put up statistics, then yes, let's do it. We believe in you. Locker room believes in you. The community loves you. You know, whatever. Everything's right. Yeah, this is a franchise guy. Let's do it. But it's going to be real interesting to see where that goes and if there's going to be finally a team that says, you know what? No, we're not paying you. And they go through the Kirk Cousins treatment and maybe a, a franchise tag, maybe a second franchise tag. But uh, let's see where that goes. What is Lamar going to ask for? Based on these numbers, what can he ask for, Right.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. Lamar is smart because he doesn't have an agent. So he has like full control of where he's waiting. Yeah. The talks are going to go. Plus, there's not going to be any leaks in the media about his contract talks because I don't think that's what Lamar Jackson wants to do in this case. Do you remember the last time that a player negotiated his own contract? I mean, a star player. I've never heard of that before. There
0: have been, been a few. I think uh, Richard Sherman did the last few. And I'm sure there are many others. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of it. But there have been some. But not to this degree. Not like a franchise quarterback looking you know, at a quarter of a billion dollar. I mean, nobody to that degree.
1: I think Lamar deserves a bigger deal than Kyler Murray, in my opinion. You You, would think. He also deserves... based on performance. He also deserves a six-year deal, in my opinion. I think he can get it. I just think that would be smart of him to do, to lock himself up with the Ravens. Plus, the Ravens are a class-act organization. I just don't think that they will throw their franchise quarterback under the bus like this. I don't think anybody would. When you know you have the guy... They can basically win you 10 or 11 games easily every year with the good team around him. It's hard to find a quarterback. I mean, the Ravens struggled to find a quarterback even when they were good. I mean, when they had that great defense, right? With, when they won it with Brian Billick. I mean, they struggled. I mean, they had like Trent Dilfer and then, you know, Joe Flacco was fine. But still, like, you know, they found their franchise quarterback and it's, it's tough to let him go. So I think this deal is going to get done you know before the season starts
0: they've gone all in on how they want to play and they've got the perfect guy to run the offense so there would definitely be a step back for them if somehow they weren't able to come to terms and they don't do a franchise you know i mean they're not going to walk away from lamar there's no question about that unless he just makes some you know ridiculous demands that they'll never be able to you know come to agreement on but yeah, I mean, he certainly deserves a lot more, maybe from the team perspective and the player perspective, because the money seems to just keep going up. And you've seen this, now again, football is different, but in the NBA with a lot of stars taking shorter term deals. So one, to have a little bit more control over where and who they play with. And two, when the money goes up, hey, my contract, it, it's time to renegotiate. It's, you know... Player option at the at the end of the two or three years, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this. And like you said, I mean, without an agent. You know, nobody knows what's going on in Lamar's head. I mean, although he does go on Twitter a little bit too much and, you know, go back and forth with some ex-teammates or whoever wants to engage with him, and he gets a little ornery about it. Absolutely, just looking at the surface, he should definitely get more than Kyler Murray. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. And also the more interesting thing is, you know, is there going to be like a middle tier in terms of pay for quarterbacks? It seems like it's either all or nothing. You're either like a... Bridge or backup money, or you're making top of the market. You know, <laughs> no in between, which you know is ridiculous. There, there's got to be a middle market. So anyway, uh I think all the Kyler talk with spending all that money is going to leading leading us into our topic of the day, or at least one of them. Most overrated team, Alex. It's all yours.
1: I'm gonna start with the Arizona Cardinals. I have to. Damn dive right into you are. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Last year, I liked the Arizona Cardinals. I thought they were, they were one of my underrated sleeper teams heading into the season, and they almost proved me right. I mean, they, the Cardinals raced out to a 10-2 record. They finished last season 11-6. They fell apart in that wild card game. <laughs> they lost big time to to the Los Angeles Rams. Their roster is still top-heavy, okay? But to me, it got worse when they lost pass rusher Chandler Jones in free agency. They also don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks after the league suspended him for violating its its performance-enhancing drug policy. They traded its first-round pick for Marquise Brown, but again, Marquise Brown is not a number one wide receiver in this league. He will be a good compliment when Hopkins comes back, but I think the Cardinals are going to struggle like moving the ball and throwing the ball. This is what they obviously want to do. I also think that their depth is a huge issue. All right? I don't think they addressed it this season. and If a couple of guys, a couple of their star players go down like they did last year, I think they'll have you know a tough time. So to me, the Arizona Cardinals, they're projected, I think, to get nine wins. I think they'll get less than that. I think the Cardinals are going to struggle. Kyler now has his big payday. He's going to be happy. He's going to be relaxed. I don't think we're gonna, you know, get the the Kyler that's fighting for his contract, and it's obvious here the Arizona Cardinals are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL heading into this season.
0: Well, I think a lot of people have maybe not winning that division, but a good number. I mean, just based on you know perusing whether it's the internet or ESPN or Fox, whatever, you see a lot of uh, people picking them second. In which case, again, I, I think that's kind of San Francisco and the whole Trey Lance thing, which I think is just false in terms of that's the way you're going to look at it. I think Trey's going to be just fine. I think San Francisco is a much better team. As far as Arizona's concerned, I mean, typically they start off pretty quick, but looking at their schedule, they've got the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Rams, the first three games. Like you said, without D-hop, without really a significant pass rush to speak of, and they lost their best one. And Chandler Jones. So, and the schedule doesn't get any easier. Obviously, that division, you got the Rams twice, you got San Francisco twice. Uh, you know, Seattle's not going to be that good this year. So maybe, you know, those are a couple of games that you can count on. But again, they're division games, so anything goes. They got the Saints in, on their schedule. The chart, I mean, obviously, the, the entire AFC West, including the Chiefs. The schedule's not easy. Tampa Bay, right? I've uh, got a couple of easy games, but still, I'm not seeing it. Uh, they got a lot of younger players that, you know, if this happens, if this guy comes around, you know, so there's a lot of question marks. And yeah, maybe Kyler will show us even more who he is now that he's got the big money that he feels like, ah, that's it. I'm good. Let's, uh, let's just have some fun, throw it around a little bit. But yeah, but I agree with you on that, uh, Arizona being one of the more. I had two teams listed, actually three. Dallas is, I think, just too low-hanging fruit. They're overrated every year. I had Arizona there. I guess the team that I want to talk about and I'll throw out there is the Tennessee Titans. You know They didn't do much in free agency. They re-signed some of their own guys, but you know famously traded A.J. Brown on draft night uh, to Philadelphia. Yeah, they bring in Robert Woods, but he's coming off an injury. He's not really the same type of player. I think Robert Woods would be a great complementary guy, but I don't think he's ever been or will be a number one receiver in the league. Uh, they lost a couple line their young linebackers and Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown. Uh, the schedule that they play... They do play the NFC East, but they play the AFC West. They also have the Packers, the Bengals, and Buffalo. And they still have Ryan Tannehill, at quarterback. So last we saw him, it wasn't a good look against against that uh, Cincinnati Bengals team. Now they did go to the Super Bowl, but the Tennessee defense put up nine sacks that day. And they still lost the game because Tannehill just, I I don't know what was going on with him that day, but he just couldn't get it done. They have to rely on their draft picks for the most part. But again, these are rookies. Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, a corner. You know, these guys are going to be asked to fill pretty major roles right away. And then you've got the specter of Malik Willis just kind of hanging in the background in case uh, Tannehill gets a little froggy, a little nervous during the course of the year. But we talked about Indianapolis last week. I really believe they're going to win that division. Now, again, I said the same thing last year. Hopefully. We got Matt Ryan now, adult in the room, and they win this division. It's weak as could be. Those are the only two teams you can really consider, I believe, for the division. Yeah, I just think Tennessee is a lot of people just penciling them into the playoffs because they get Derrick Henry back and everything else. And, oh, my God, everything's going to be great. I'm not feeling it.
1: I actually agree with you, Lou, because that was one of the teams that I also had on my list just in case I put Arizona ahead of the Tennessee Titans. But I think losing A.J. Brown is going to be huge. And if you think that you're going to rely on a rookie like Trelon Burks, that's a tough order. That's a tall task. So I think they're going to regret trading A.J. to the Eagles. The only thing that I always say, when you've got Mike Vrabel as your head coach, I think you always have a chance. Because he's a fiery guy, almost like Bill Belichick. I mean, he'll, he'll motivate these players. He'll find a way to claw some wins out there, even with Ryan Tannehill. But I also think that Derrick Henry, I mean, he can't keep going like this, all right? He's Superman, I get it, but he's a running back. He can't keep taking the, this pounding. These hits, we all know that... Yeah,
0: 350 to 400 touches a year. It hasn't caught up with him yet. I mean, the guy's got a marvelous body. You see those videos on Instagram of his crazy workouts that he does and just superhuman stuff. But uh, yeah, you're right. Time after time, all those hits do add up. They've got a change up there. They. They brought in Haskins from Michigan, but uh, they really got to, I think, maybe ramp him up towards the end of the year to make the playoff run.
1: They're still going to rely on him. I mean, they can't basically say that Ryan Tannehill is going to carry the day for us. They some can't load
0: man, load management in the NFL. Right? So
1: it's just, Derek Henry is still going to get those 30, 35 carries. It's just the way they play, but you got to get some other running backs involved. You got to keep them fresh because I think for the stretch run... And even if you're looking at the playoffs, I mean, you got to keep him uh, in tune. And when you've got a 17-game schedule, that's tough to do. It's a lot of hits. He, he's an upright runner. Even though he's big and he runs over these defenders, I just, yeah, the Titans are definitely one of the teams that are uh, overrated as well. So Arizona is probably number one for me. The Titans are number two. We picked the right teams here, lo.
0: Yeah. Like I said, Dallas, but that's every year. So I couldn't go there. So, so we just had him a little flip flop. But yeah, I mean, there's uh... great minds, right? Okay. So there's a lot of young talent in the NFL. And it seems like, I mean, I, again, I've been you know watching the league for many, many years. And I'm not going to get hyperbolic here and say this is the you know the greatest era of offensive talent with the quarterbacks and so forth, but it is really damn good, and it would be up there against most eras I would think. So with that in mind, we wanted to take a look at uh, one player each on each side of the ball, offense and defense, and we're taking the quarterback side of it in terms of the offense, but just talking about players that you'd like to have, you know, maybe over the next. 10 years or so so looking at this my first thought was you know when I saw the 10 year maybe I focused on that too much and we, we talked about the topics because that almost immediately you know throws up the warning sign it's not going to be a running back okay so now we've eliminated running backs and quarterbacks so obviously my favorite position the wide receivers and the two in my mind that you know both you know both LSU guys, I'm sure Alex's you know list or short list is going to be fairly similar. But Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, I would take either of them in a heartbeat. And the only reason I I took Jefferson over Chase was because he's done it two years instead of just one year of Chase. And I'm fully expecting Chase to have as big a year as Justin had last year but i'm going to go with justin jefferson still 23 years old 2 years in the league 1400 1600 yards all while playing with kirk cousins at quarterback now great you know we talked about kirk we've always you know liked him he's one of that middle tier guys that i think should be paid like a middle tier guy but anyway that's justin jefferson tremendous route runner love his size he's 6 195 he is committed to the craft. The dude is a great route runner. I think he surprised everybody with his speed once he came in. But very consistent. Like I said, 1,400 yards his first year, 1,600, over 100 catches last year. Both years, around 15 yards a catch, 7 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns. I mean, everything about the kid screams like he's a star, might become a superstar you know, if he stays healthy. So that's the guy I'm going to go with. And then just the icing on the cake, he brought the gritty to the NFL. Now, supposedly, I have to give credit here. One of Jamar Chase's buddies from back in Louisiana, uh, I believe his name is Allen Davis, invented the gritty. So there you have it, my little nugget for today. But Justin Jefferson's my guy, offensive player, next 10 years.
1: I like it. I still can't believe the Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson in the draft, and then the Vikings scooped them up. So I still don't understand that. That's probably one of the worst moves that... that Jalen Rager, Roseman. right? Yeah, that's right. I yeah. think that's one of the worst moves that Howie Roseman is going to be The speed.
0: Remember. They got hung up on the numbers, right? And then it turns out Jefferson was faster anyway. So there you go.
1: Hey, Henry Ruggs. Two words, <laughs> Wow. So yeah, okay. the, unfortunately, teams do get you know, obsessed with that forty time from the combine and it's kinda hard to let that go, you know, when a guy runs a four two or a four three. John Ross is another perfect example of, of this. I wanted to go with Jonathan Taylor. Okay? I mean, to be honest with you, when you rush for over eighteen hundred yards last year, when you lead the NFL by like five hundred and fifty two yards in two thousand and twenty one, then You know, when you consider the other running backs out there, this guy is a workhorse. He's got the power. He's got the speed. Yes, he needs to get more involved in the passing game, but he's just like the true definition for the next three or four years. But just like you said, we can't choose a running back because of what we talked about with Derrick Henry. You can be great for like five or six years, but we're talking about the next 10 years and running backs take too many hits for me to take Jonathan Taylor for the next decade. Even though I think he's great. And he's going to be the best back in football. And he's already the best back in football. And the Colts got themselves a steal in the second round. And I'm glad that he fixed his fumbling issues, you know, that he had in college in Wisconsin. He was able to conquer that. I'm not going to go with the wide receiver either, Lou. I'm going to surprise you here. I like your Justin Jefferson pick. And I think Jamar Chase is, is really solid as well. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. All right? I'm going to go with the tight end from the Falcons because he's not just a tight end. He's almost like a tweener, I guess. He's like a wide receiver tight end. And I think he's going to become a central part of the Falcons offense, especially with Calvin Ridley now being gone. All right. He was targeted 110 times last year. He caught 68 receptions for over a thousand yards. He broke the the rookie's record, Mike Ditka's record at the position through the, the first year. So doesn't matter who his quarterback is going to be, okay? Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. I don't care. Kyle Pitts is going to be a weapon. He needs to get more involved in the red zone, though. He only scored one touchdown last season. But I just, I can see this guy becoming the next big star at the tight end position. And I think, you know, he's not going to take that pounding. He is going to get the ball consistently. He's going to get over like 90, 100 receptions a season. He's only going to get better with that catching radius, you know, with that basketball background, with his hands. He's quick, he's fast. So I'm going to go with the tight end. This guy is going to revolutionize and I think take the tight end position even further than it has already gone with guys like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. I just, I'm a big believer in Kyle Pitts.
0: Yes, a physical specimen uh, he's gonna put up numbers you know God willing they get him they get him a solid quarterback where he gets the opportunity to do that. obviously you know Matt Ryan most of the last year it's going to be a little bit of a fall off regardless of which way they go this year so hopefully it doesn't impact his numbers too much. but like I said, there's so many ways that you could have gone with this and I, I agree with you, Jonathan Taylor if it was like a shorter time frame and again, it may not be completely up to him. Uh, it's just that teams aren't willing to uh, continue to pay the guys once they hit 28, 29 years old at a, at a running back and they just kind of fall off the map or they, you know, they'll go to a, a different team for a lesser role and they don't get as much opportunity no matter how good he is. So, yeah, it's just difficult to, to even think about putting a running back in that situation. But again, if you were, Jonathan Taylor certainly is the guy. And speaking of teams that passed over, <clears throat> yeah, okay, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round was the first running back that year. Not sure where that, where that came from, but other side of the ball plenty of young studs on defense all over the field. I don't know that you really need to really parse this at all like you did the offense where we removed the quarterbacks and then you know, just by rule, you'd almost have to you almost had to remove the running back. So really you can look at just about any position. And obviously, because so many balls are being thrown and there's so many dynamic quarterbacks, Getting after the quarterback is a huge premium. So let's look at some guys that can do that really, really well. So I came up with two. Again, same situation where you got one young guy, one that's still really young, but not a rookie. Two guys getting after the quarterback. Last year's uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons. And then if I want to go a little bit more veteran, I know i got to choose one here, and, I, and I'm, I'm still not sure which one I'd rather have. The other one is Nick Bosa, and the guy's just dominant when he's able to play. 24 and a half sacks in three years, but in one of those seasons, he missed 14 games, okay? 37 tackles for loss in his career, 58 quarterback hits. It's just very well documented. But I'm going to go with Parsons just because more so the position versatility. I don't know that he's going to consistently put up the sack numbers that he did last year, 13. I think maybe he caught a lot of offensive coordinators maybe off guard when they were putting him... As a rush end on passing downs Uh, but he certainly is one of the best off the ball linebackers so he can play the rush end he can play off the ball he can cover your tight ends or running backs out of the backfield and you have no question this guy's going to be able to compete with no matter who's coming out of the backfield or like you mentioned Kyle Pitts I think he'd have no problem covering him Uh, not that he's going to shut him down but he's got the athletic ability to do it and just, you know, the star on the side of the helmet is also gonna gonna help him uh just be a, an even bigger name in the league. But as far as his play is concerned, I think the sky's the limit. He stays healthy, that's the guy
1: I want. This was tough for me, Lou, because I love Nick Bosa. And I think he is gonna be a fantastic player for the next 10 to 12 years. But I agree with you. It has to be Michael Parsons because he just kind of revolutionized, transformed, like he's a a chess piece, like an X factor. He transformed the Cowboys' defense as a rookie. I mean, he showcased the ability to just wreck havoc anywhere along the defensive front. He's an off-ball linebacker, but the way he can cover, the way he can blitz, I mean, the 23-year-old showed great versatility, and he had, what, 13 sacks last season? 20 tackles for loss? I mean, he just crushed the quarterback despite only rushing like half of the time, all right? He wasn't like always, you know, as a pass rusher in this case. I just think he's going to break that all-time sack record. It's like 22 and a half sacks, right, in 2022. I just, I have a feeling that Dan Quinn is just going to unleash him even more. The sky is the limit for this kid. I, I can't believe he fell as far as he did. Maybe there were some character concerns with him, but he's got it all. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got the coverage ability, and he's just got the knack for getting after the quarterback. He doesn't even play in a 3-4 defense, okay? He's a 4-3 linebacker, so that's interesting. Just I I was so impressed with Michael Parsons last year, and what I saw was just... It reminded me of, like, LT, low. I mean, in a way... Because he was just like a chess piece that nobody could defend. He was a guy that you need to get like two or three offensive players on. You need to account for him. You need to get an offensive lineman and you need to chip, you know, a tight end or a running back or he's going to find a way into the backfield. It was also tough for me to not include TJ Watt here. Yes, he's a little bit older, but... You know, this is a guy that did tie the sack record last year with 22 and a half sacks. What if he blasts past that benchmark to lead the league in sacks for a third straight season? Nobody has done it like back to back to back. And I think T.J. Watt is still young enough. And I think with guys like this and knowing that his brother, you know, has played and had a huge career, I think T.J. Watt, he's going to stay in shape. He's going to keep himself, you know, in good health. And, you know, this guy is is also going to be wrecking havoc for, for the next 10 years. So it was tough for me to not go with T.J. Watt, even though he's older than Parsons and Nick Bosa. But I agree with you. I'll go with the Penn State product. I think he's going to represent the state of Texas. And I think he's going to be a heck of a player for Dallas for years to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt, you can't, you can't go wrong with him either. I mean, he's in the right... System. I mean, it's just a he's just a, again a perfect stealer, and they're kind of run their defense around him. Just about anybody they've had at that position, it seems like for the last 25 years, has really been one of the top players in the NFL. Parsons, I think that I mean, part of the reason he slipped, I, I, he didn't play that COVID year, he was one of the guys that opted out. So I don't know if it was like out of sight, out of mind type thing, and then everything was workouts, and the workouts were ridiculous, right? I mean, just off the charts. But uh, yeah, I think Dallas. Everybody had them penciled in for one of those defensive backs. I think who was it? Sertan was sitting there, and who's the kid that Carolina took? Uh, the, the Panthers took JC Horn. I think at the time during the draft, I think everybody thought that's the way Dallas was going, and then they hey. Micah Parsons kind of fell in their lap. Absolutely, we'll take him, no problem. So, yeah, there's so many good uh, players on both sides of the ball, and they're all still very young, which means that the league is in great hands. And moving forward, we'll just keep getting better and better games. And that's what we're here for. So, like I said, I mean, camps are opening up. You can start to you start to feel it a little bit. A little bit more coverage on TV, if that's possible, of the NFL. But it'll start ramping up even more here in the next few days, in the coming weeks. So, uh, football is almost here, and uh, we're here for it. So, for my partner on the other side, Alex Kaftoff, I am Lou Please subscribe when you get the opportunity. Until next time, peace.